right. Thank you, Sherbert Underground, and welcome back for another week of our unique blend of fantasy baseball enlightenment on Roto-Rob Fantasy Baseball Weekly Podcast, heard every Thursday evening at 9 p.m. EST on Blog Talk Radio. So we're into May now, leaving us just 10 days shy of Mother's Day, which MLB really likes to make a big deal out of it, what with the pink bats and all that frilly stuff. I mean, obviously for good cause, but, you know, hey, we'll get to that when we get to that. It's, it's for a great cause, so you know what? Put your pink stuff on, fellas, and, and be a man. This week, Robinson Cano got a chilly welcome back to the Bronx. Washington's Bryce Harper had thumb surgery that will sideline him until July at the very least. And just up the highway in Beemore, Chris Davis received a pair of platelet-rich injections in the hopes of speeding up his recovery process from an oblique injury. We're going to cover some of these stories and many more over the next hour or so, so pull up a beanbag chair and get comfy. I, of course, am Roto Rob, and my guest this week is Joel Hennard, owner of Fantasy Insiders and previously uh, with FantasyAlarm.com and Fantasy Pros 911 Radio. How are you this evening, Joel? I am fantastic, Rob. How are you? It's a pleasure to join you. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, I'll tell you, I'm doing better than Matt Garza, who had to come out early last night because of his bruised thumb. Here yeah. we go again with the injury-prone hurler, although I'm not sure that he wasn't actually suffering from a bruised ego, as the cards were tagging him pretty hard before he had to leave that one. Yeah, if you look at this so afternoon, the Reds, I'm sorry? Tony, the Reds placed Tony Sangrani on the, on the disabled list this afternoon as well, so another one bites the dust. Oh, the injuries... I, you know, tis the, tis the year of the, well, it's not just the year. The, my theory, and I, I don't understand why more people don't talk about this, but have you noticed that in the ostensibly post-roids era, that injuries are just way, way up? I mean, that's the price you pay for having clean players, because guess what? They're not going to bounce back from injury as fast. They're not going to recover in the weight room as quickly. They're going to be more susceptible to injuries. It's a rant I've had many times, and I just I don't understand why people have made the connection that, oh, I see. You know, that's why people are getting hurt. You know what I mean? I, I think there's something to it myself. But, um, hey, they want a clean game, so that's fine. You know what I'm saying? I guess we've got to yeah. take, take the injuries with, with – uh, you know, when you got all these roided up players and all of a sudden they're not on roids anymore, that's what happens. On April 15th, Jason Collette posted a wonderful stat on Twitter that said almost $442 million was on the d- disabled list. That's insane. Wow. $442 million. How much of that did he in salary? <laughs> of course, he's, <laughs> a, he's on the suspended list, but $442 million, Wow. He, he must have spent some time on the abacus to figure that one out. Now, yeah, I don't know how he came up with that, but that's a great stat. It's a fantastic one. He might have read it somewhere or something, because I can't imagine. Well, you never know. I mean, maybe he ran a, an algorithm or something. It's possible. Now, I wonder yeah. if, he had, if he had a salary database, you could do that. I want to remind you that chat room and phone lines are open. Guests, you can call in at 347-826-7358. Uh, hopefully we avoid the, the crank callers this evening. That would be super. Um, and Or just join us in the chat room. Uh, right now it's just me in there. But, hey, come on in. Now, we're just going to talk about what's going on over at RotoRob.com and then launch into the news of the week. Uh, on the baseball side of things, we still have the top 30 of our top 65 prospects to come. Things have slowed down because of the NHL and NBA playoffs. Uh, Joel and I were just talking about that before we went on the air. And, uh 
I'm a junkie, and I, what can I say? Hey, I wouldn't run a sports site if I didn't love sports, right? And you know what? I freaking want to watch some sports, so cut me some slack, people. We got news and analysis during the week, though. Tuesday, for instance, we had an L.A. Dodgers fantasy report, and on Monday, we went into the Wayback Machine to examine the 15th anniversary of Fernando Tatis's two salami inning. Every Sunday, we have the Wire Troll, our waiver wire recommendations written by Tim McLeod. And on Saturday, we welcomed our newest writer, Michael Seth, who is doing a 2002 MLB draft retrospective, breaking down the draft pick by pick to see how things panned out a dozen years later. Part one was on Saturday. I just finished editing part two today, which will be published shortly. We're also going to do some pre-MLB draft coverage coming up very soon. On the basketball side of things, now that the NBA season is wrapped, the Wire Troll, of course, is done. But after taking a couple weeks off, Bob Raymond will release his Wire Troll All-Star Saturday to officially wrap up the fantasy season in that sport. And in football, you can listen to the Rotor Up Fantasy Football Weekly podcast heard every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m., EST on Blog Talk Radio. It was back this week. For, well, it's been back for a couple weeks now. It, of course, is run by Roto-Rob NFL editor Josh Johnson and his team of NFL writers, including Nick Wagner and Vonnie Hariri. And then back Michael Seff uh, joined them this week, our new, our new baseball slash football writer. This week they looked at the NFC South. Next week they take over this time slot so they can cover the NFL Draft Live, which, of course, is next Thursday night. So I'm surrendering the baseball podcast time so they can do that. Uh, so we will not be on baseball next week. In fact, we will be on baseball. Baseball is going to take their time slot Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. EST, and Josh is going to run that podcast this week. Confusing enough? Fantastic. Yesterday we released Bonnie's updated mock draft first round with Knicks to follow next week leading up to the draft. And on the hockey side of things, fantasy season is done now, but we have to check in with some playoff action soon. And stay tuned for a draft preview, plus an exclusive interview with former NHL stars Curtis Joseph and Trevor Linden uh, has been arranged, and that will be coming soon uh, from our hockey editor, Chris Wassell. On the video game side of things, nothing new this week, but stay tuned as I was editing our review of Child of Light earlier today. That is ready to rock. I just need to Photoshop the pic, so stay tuned while we'll be releasing our take on Ubisoft's latest game probably tomorrow. We're now just 12 articles shy of 3,700 in the site's history and should reach that by mid-May, if not sooner. sooner excuse me. Finally, do not forget to follow us on Storify.com. We're just three followers shy of 25, so come and join the party. Are you on uh, Storify there, Joel? I am not. What, what is that? It's a social media site that came out about three years ago, and I don't know why it hasn't gained more popularity. It's really, really unique. It basically it's about um, it's about uh, uh, excuse me. I'm just looking for the proper words here. It's about um, uh, sharing content. Essentially, um, the proper terminology is eluding my mind right now. Curating content. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, okay. You know how people will share links and stuff? They'll do link articles. Basically, it's a tool that you can just click on a, a term, and all of a sudden, all these Facebook posts will come up, all these Twitter posts, and you can just drag and drop them into the article and insert your own commentary, drop in a picture, drop in a URL, and basically create in this drag-and-drop, completely dummy, user-friendly scenario, 
Um, you can curate comment. Here's the issue of the day. For instance, you want to do something on Donald Sterling, right? You get all the reactions. You plug them in there. You put your own little two cents on it. You throw a photo in there. Bang! You've now covered the topic of the day in like, you know, you've given us kind of microcosm of the Twitterverse and Facebook reactions across the internet. And it's really, really fantastic tool. I advise you to check it out. I, I fell in love with it right away, but it doesn't take long once you figure it out to do a story. I just, I haven't been able to invest a lot of time in it lately just because I have, I'm still working on cloning myself. Once I finish that up, I will be all set. But uh, you should know, I'm just getting into the website thing. We're very, very new. We're only, what, four weeks old over at FantasyInsiders.com. So, yeah, we'll definitely go check that out. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, it's really, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's fun to do because it's very easy. And I like the fact I mean, that you can it's, well, it's completely, it's drag and drop, it really is. It's so user-friendly and intuitive. I'm surprised that it hasn't picked up more. And people who love to curate content, like you see people on Twitter who all they do is send out links, you know? Well, it's like, okay, you know what, do something original. At least this gives you some visual aspect to you. You can pop in a video. You can pop in a picture, you know? Like, you can actually create your own little page based on the story, pulling in various, uh, pulling in... Um, tweets and little blurbs from various um, places across the internet. Really, really fun. Uh, and I highly recommend it. Anyhow, let's get some news here. Let's talk some fantasy ball there, Joel. Um, why don't we start with you? Uh, we had uh, Martin, Martin Perez's streak ended in a very ugly way Tuesday. The kid was on fire, and I'm wondering where this kid's going to settle in. Talk to me about uh, his early season uh, exploits and... Uh, where you see him going after this pretty ugly outing on Tuesday? Well, I think that he picks up the pace. I think that he continues. If you look at the four wins that he has this season, and yes, this youngster has four wins already, one against Boston, one against Houston, my White Sox, and he does have one against Oakland, who he got blown up against um, the other night. But if you look at those starts, he went six, eight, and nine, and then nine again against Oakland. He has the longevity, and I think that the kid's stuff is, is there. If you look at his projections to, from the beginning of the season, <clears throat> excuse me, I had him about 190 pitches. The Ks are a little low for me, but with that team, I think that the wins will always be there, and I never like to chase wins. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, fool, it's a fool's hardy ex, exploit, chasing wins, even on a good team. Even like you can you can analyze a great team and analyze the bullpen, but you'll still yeah nobody should do that. I totally agree with you. You know, just last week on the podcast we actually talked about Perez, and we talked about how you probably had already missed your chance to grab him off the wire because that opportunity did exist early in the season, of course. Um, but now, of course, he's he's owned everywhere. The A's, as I said, lay a major beating on him. He had come in red hot, back-to-back complete game shutouts, and an eight-inning shutout performance uh, before that. So 26 scoreless innings, like, Jesus. That's pretty impressive. But, of course, on Tuesday, four and two-thirds, eight hits, eight earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts. You obviously had to know they wasn't going to keep up that pace for those three starts, correct? But you know what? Yeah, I call that a hiccup. What's that? I call that a hiccup. Yeah, well, absolutely, but he still hasn't served up a dinger this year. His ERA is up to 2.95 now, but that's still pretty impressive. Now, here's a question for you, Joel. 
Perez's next start is Monday in Coors. Now, if you're a Perez owner, are you? I mean, are you a little skittish here? What are, what are you thinking? No, I'm tossing him out there. Um, I have a philosophy. Oh, yeah? If I pick up a guy, I'm drafting him. If I pick him up or if I draft him and he has a start and I have an opportunity to play that start, I'm playing him. I, I, I never turn down a pitcher. I really don't. Um, there's going to be some strikeouts. There's going to be some battles. Some other team's ERA could be jacked up by another player. I, I just don't sit my guys that have been that hot. Okay, fair enough. But, uh, and, you know, press owners shouldn't feel too bad. I mean, Oakland also beat up you, Darvish and Robbie Ross in this week's convincing sweep. So it's not as if they picked on Perez. They were beating some pretty good pitchers, well, obviously Darvish there. Now here's a question. How much upside do you feel there is in Perez's game? Not much. I think you're, you're seeing what you're going to get. You're going to get five to six strikeouts a game. You're going to get those walks, maybe three to four. Um, but I think that watching him pitch, you know that he can last eight innings. Even if he's getting shelled, um, he, he still has the opportunity to, to continue to throw. I think they pulled him the other night just to give him a little bit of rest. Yeah. Well, uh, so you wouldn't consider him a sell-high candidate based on his uh, early season exploits? Oh, yeah, you could sell him high. I mean, w- try to get something a better hitter? Sure, why not? I, I, w- I would definitely try to sell Perez. I would actually try to sell any Texas Ranger at, at, at this point particular moment just because fielders had a rough season and I, I think that you know he, he, he he's definitely a, a guy that I would try to buy right now or if I had an opportunity to get a number one starting pitcher maybe to try to sell fielder for you know a, a number one pitcher because he's going to bounce back we're not going to see this regression and I think that Perez is the same way you could sell high for him right now and get a mediocre outfielder but do you really want that yeah, I understand. Well, in looking at his numbers, his strand rate is high at 77%, not alarmingly high. But then again, his FIP is 2.76, which is even better than his actual results. So there's nothing in his advanced statistics that tell me he's going to crash and burn. But you already touched upon this. He's not a big strikeout pitcher, and that caps his fantasy value to an extent already. Right. So, I mean, when he throws 26 shutout innings and three starts and he is the toast of the town, I'm thinking, it ain't going to get any better than this, baby. This is pretty sweet, you know? So we shall see how that plays out. Uh, It's great to see that Perez has taken a big step forward, though, so far this year. Now, speaking of guys taking step forward who, well, we've been waiting for for a while, a bit of an old-timer here, Chris Young, and I'm talking about the pitcher, not the outfielder, earned his first win since 2012 on Wednesday night. Now, you know, he's pitched decently in three out of his four starts. Um, Here's something funny. Now, he's appeared in five games so far this year, Joel. You know that that's his second highest total since 2009? That just made me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's just, I saw that. I was looking at his numbers and going, Wow, he's already pitched more than he did that year, that year, that year. Uh, he hasn't lost yet, but I'll tell you that 1.35 whip does not excite me. What are you seeing here? I mean, it's a nice story that you guys first win, but are we seeing anything actionable with Chris Young in the early going here? No. Uh, 23 innings pitched, 14 walks. It's pretty much mm-hmm. all you have to say. I mean, 
okay, he's, the ERA is at three. Okay, he's getting a little lucky. And I don't oh. normally say that, but he's getting really lucky. Oh, he's getting really lucky. You see what his FIP is? No, what is it? It's 6.25. So I'd say he's, he, he's dodging some bullets so far. We're not talking a little luck. We're talking some serious luck. It's a small sample size, so a lot of things can be skewed in a small, small sample size. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's nice to see him back in the game. Like last spring, he opted out of his minor league deal with the Nats because he felt he was a major league pitcher. But he couldn't find another job. And then he winds up spending the season in their minor league system anyhow before he got hurt, of course. I mean, injuries really started decimating his career around 2008. Do you know how many career wins this guy has? This this blew me away. I don't know if you're looking at his page right now, but... I am, but I don't see it. Well, no, but I mean, don't cheat, is what I'm saying. If you're looking, don't cheat. (laughs) This is a a question that you should answer without looking at the Internet. I just (laughs) happened to notice when I was looking at his page, and I was a little surprised. 54? Doesn't, to you, doesn't that feel like he should have so many more than that? I mean, he's 54 and 43 over his lifetime with a career ERA of 3.77. I'm, uh, well, it, it just feels like he's been around so long. that, And I know he was very good for a brief period of time. But, I mean, t- I don't know. Just I, I would have thought he would have been closing it on 100. I, for some whatever reason, I guess intuitively that – that makes sense when you really think about it. But for whatever reason, I looked at that 54 and thought, wow, that's really low. Well, you know why? You look at it. Look at 2004, seven games. And then he went on a stretch of 30, 30, 30, 18, team yes. four, and then 20 in 2012, and then five games already this year. So not a lot of starts there to no. But he's been around. The name's been around. Everyone's like, ooh, that's I'm what so I mean. I like this guy. Well, that, that's, that, that's what I mean. I mean, like, so from a perception standpoint, in my mind, if I hadn't looked that up, I'm sure I would have guessed a much higher number than that. And, but, of course, it makes complete sense intellectually why he has so few wins. It's just, for whatever reason, that jumped out at me, and I thought, wow, 54, that's not a lot. What I'm could have been up- here, you know? How many wins did Brandon Webb have? That, that's who I always think about when I think of Chris Young. I always wanted these two well, guys to succeed. You're absolutely right. I mean, Webb, I mean, he had that 22-win season, so we know right there. I'm guessing Webb probably won about 48 games, just off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm trying to get to the reference.com, and, of course, the Internet always hates us when we're doing a live show and we want to talk about something cool. All right, well, I can look it up. <laughs> Let's see if that. mine's working any faster. <laughs> Brandon Webb. I'm guessing 48. Uh, but you're right, that's a very good comparison. All right. Oh, wow, I was, I was not even close. 87, yeah. Okay, so he was around longer than I thought. But that's a good count. I mean, he stopped in 2009, so he started a couple years beforehand. And, yeah, if you look at Webb and you look at uh, – if you look at Young, well, you really wanted those two guys to succeed, and they were both in Arizona at one point. Well, I mean, Webb was always in Arizona, but you're absolutely right. But the, the funny thing is, Webb, of course, he only pitched one game in 2009. So for all intents and purposes, Webb only pitched six years, yeah. and he won 87 games. That's yeah, pretty freaking good. 
Yeah. That's pretty freaking good. You know what I'm saying? He, and the fact is, one year he only won seven, but every other year he was double digits. Now, what could 87 wins despite such a short career? You start projecting forward. I mean, this guy was going to be a 200-win guy. Easy, eh? Oh, yes, most definitely. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have bet against it. He was one of my favorites back then. I mean, when I first yeah. started in fantasy, I mean, it was like, oh, look at this guy. Big-body pitcher that threw awesome, awesome strikes. And you're like, this guy's going to last forever. And it really was just that one injury because, you know what, he was completely durable before that, and that was it. He, he never made it back. It's like, Wow. Uh, it was the shoulder, obviously, right? Yeah, shoulder, and something really messed up with the shoulder. I'm not yeah, really like too, something obscure that like no one had ever surgically done before. Well, I think it was just like completely frayed, you know, like someone had gone in there with a Moulinex and turned it on. <laughs> it was not good, but um, yeah, I'm just looking at his numbers. That's a great comparison to Young. Uh, except, I mean, basically with Webb, it was like rolling, 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 bam, brick wall. Whereas with Young, it was fits and starts. Oh, Chris Young's back. Oh, Chris Young's out. Oh, Chris Young's back. Oh, Chris Young's out. I mean, he's only 34, Chris Young. He's not an old man, especially by a pitcher's standards. But obviously, physically, what his arm has been through, he may as well be 54. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, exactly. let's talk about a guy on your team. You said you're a White Sox boy there, eh? You are you based in, oh, you're, you're based in Indiana, but you're you, you're White Sox man. Okay, uh, so Jose Quintana, for my money, is massively underappreciated in fantasy circles. He had a season high ten strikeouts in a no decision Wednesday. I'm looking at his numbers and thinking this guy is a lot better than his num- his bottom line numbers suggest. Your opinion on this, Joel? I'm going to agree with you 100. percent I'm actually one of the guys that was strongly suggesting to fantasy owners that they should draft him. Okay, Mm -hmm. going into the season, we all knew he was going to be the number two in Chicago behind Chris Sale, whose arm is going to explode. And we all can see it. We all know why. So we all know that Jose is going to be the number one. He's got the job. He's going to have a start every five days. And his numbers aren't that bad. He's still going to get you – at least 170 strikeouts on a team, and, and I can't even say this politely, that is terrible. Their pitching staff is awful. But this is the one guy that I thought in the rotation that was draftable, and I was drafting him at the end of the round, looking and knowing that he's not my number two starter, but he's going to be mm-hmm. a number five or six starter for us. Well, I mean, not to go off topic, a lot of people thought of Eric Johnson as a sleeper this year, <clears throat> and you never know with Danks what you were going to get. I mean, he's so far so good, but I, I, I don't believe what I see out of Danks. Um, but I hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, the bullpen was a shit show, of course. Uh, yeah. We still we didn't know until the day before the season who the hell a closer was going to be. And, I mean, no one ever would have thought it was going to be by Lindstrom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's what heading into the season we ranked Quintana 51st in our starting pitcher rankings in January. Now, based just on his bottom line results, he's been a bit below that, probably top 90. But five out of his six starts, quality outings. His ERA is four, but forget about that. He's pitched better than that. His command is way better this year. Eight Ks to 2.25 walks. That is sweet. 
His home run rate's slightly better. I'm looking looking at his Bapit and Strand rate. He's been unlucky. Uh, absolutely. I mean, his FIP is 3.55, and his XFIP is even better. I think this lefty has upside. I'm shocked that his ownership on ESPN is only 7. CBS is more normalized. He's at 85. But if you're in an ESPN league, there's a massive opportunity here to pick this guy up on the wire and roll with it because he's 25, right? The best is yet to come here. Don't you think? Five leagues. Five leagues I drafted him in. So, yeah, I believe in this kid, and I believe that the White Sox are trying to secure him in this rotation and give him, what's the word I'm looking for, confidence that mm-hmm. he can do this, and he's the man, and him and Sale are going to be one, two. I, I, I actually think this. I, I believe this in my heart, not just because I'm a fan, because what you mentioned earlier, you look at him throw the ball this year, and it is completely different. It is just zip, 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 zip. Well, I mean, I definitely saw the flashes of potential last year. Absolutely. Um, the thing, and you know, I've got to tell you, in my mind, Don Cooper is one of the most um, underappreciated and underlauded uh, pitching coaches in the game. He does not get talked about among the great pitching coaches, but I think there, he really knows what he's doing. I mean, what's your opinion on that as a White Sox guy? Oh, dude, Cooper's the best. I love Coop. I've, I've interviewed Coop twice, and some of the things that he has taught me just to look for um, while I'm watching pitchers and watching um, games, I go to a lot of minor league games because of where I live. It's better proximity. Oh, yeah. But Coop definitely has taught me some things over the last five years um, in and out of the locker room. Some of the things they ask, he's very approachable. Um, he loves to teach everyone, even the reporters. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. I mean, he, he, I, I like to see him get more attention as, uh, you know, uh, I don't as think one of the it. greats. Well, no, I just mean, I, I think that he flies under the radar. I think Jim Hickey's yeah. starting to get that, that attention in Tampa Bay, given the turnaround he's done with some of the Tampa Bay relievers over the years. I definitely think, uh, you know, Pitching coaches are not usually superstars. I mean, we had Leo Mazzone, we had Dave Duncan, but I mean, pitching coaches are not stars. They're not, you know. But I would like to see more of them get attention for what they're capable of doing. And from a fantasy perspective, I think it's important to pay attention to things like that because you know, for instance, I know now a mediocre pitcher goes to Tampa Bay. Jamaica's going to turn this guy into a freaking fifty save dude. You know what I mean? He's going to figure out a way to do it. I mean, if he could do what he did with with Fernando Rodney, I have full faith in his ability to do anything with anybody. So Cooper, in my mind, has come a long way in that regard. Now, uh, sticking sticking with the AL Central there, Joel, Salvador Perez, the uh, fine young catcher for the Kansas City Royals, had a simply awful start this year and may have even been dropped in some shallow formats, believe it or not. But he is turning things around this week. We had him ranked 7th in our catcher rankings in late January, but he, so far he's not even a top 25 of the position. That has changed. Uh, great buy-low opportunity here because he's gotten hot this week. He homered and drove in a career high, tying four runs on Tuesday. Uh, and this week he snapped what was a 1-for-29 skid that he was clearly frustrated by, by all reports uh, that I, I have heard. So uh, is, is Perez finally turning it on now? I mean, is he... 
is he uh is he shaking off that that slump and back to uh the guy we saw in 2013 oh yeah this is just a little rust he's just you know, getting comfortable behind the plate again getting comfortable batting I agree with you. Buy low. I, I just traded Omar Infante for him. I, I understand so, there are needs in people's leagues. I get it. The offer was made to me, and I couldn't click yes fast enough because yeah. I'm a big Perez <laughs> fan. I, I, a huge Perez fan. Yeah. I'll pick up replacement level second base and say thank you very much. I'll take the hit at second base because, let's face it, from a fantasy perspective, Omar Infante is a hollow batting average, and that's it. You know? Yeah. I don't understand the allure for a, guy, a middle infielder that, that has no power or speed. But I got that's just me. Over, so I get it. What's that? The, the gentleman I traded with was a Kipnis owner. So okay. I, I understand what he was trying to do there. But he didn't. I, I think he overstretched a little bit. But yeah, because this is my friends and family league. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to I'm gonna take you to the bank. <laughs> hey, well, he made the offer. It's not like you pull. It's not like you suggested to him, boy. You know, you're really in trouble with Kipnis. Well, uh, you know, here maybe I'll give you Infante. I don't know. Ah, Salvador Perez. Not. He's not having a great year, but I'll take him. I mean, it's not like you 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 pulled some kind of used car salesman to act on him. You know, got your plaid jacket out and started you know greasing up his palm or anything like that. He made you no, the not. offer. What do you? You know. Yeah. You click yes. Immediately. Exactly. Exactly. Well, good on you. That's a that's a good score there because uh, Perez, of course, uh, turned in three straight multi-hit games. He was held hitless when they Wednesday, excuse me, but he still walked and scored through 25 games. He's up to 10 RBI, of course, which is very disappointing after he drove in 79 last year. But it is early. And the thing I am pleased with uh, Joel that I've seen out of uh, Perez in the early going is a dramatically improved walk rate. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed that? Like he's up to almost ten percent. That is a big change in his game because um, he was a liability in on-base percentage leagues, but maybe not so much anymore. Um, I mean, he's striking out a bit more, so obviously he is uh, not hitting to contact right now. But two forty-five BA. But I'm not worried about that. He's never hit under two ninety. This is an outstanding young catcher who does not turn twenty-four until next month. So the best is yet to come, as, as far as I'm concerned. What do you see as Perez's ceiling? I put him down as 285 for the rest of the season, and I do see him hitting 20 home runs. I, I think the kid will get hot in July, and it gets hot in Kansas City. And that ball will start carrying a little bit more, in my opinion. Oh, you're talking about this year? Oh, yeah. I meant, I meant uh, his ceiling in his career. I mean, given that he has not even 24 yet and has already you know, shown – a pretty impressive offensive capability at a position where catch where players do not tend to flash any offensive ability until their late 20s, early 30s in many cases, given the weight of responsibility of defense. Okay. So I saw him in 2010 at the Arizona Fall League, and we knew he was something special then. Yes. We knew he could hit the yeah. ball, and we knew that he could sit behind the plate for a long period of time. The injuries that he suffered in 2011, no, 2012, 12, no yeah. one saw that coming. That, this kid would have been rookie of the year, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. If he, we were all over him. Absolutely. Yeah. We were touting him like mad before the injury. I and totally agree I, with you. I don't think that changes. I don't think that changes at all. I think that he'll be a career 290 guy. I think he drives in 80 runs a year. 
or sorry, RBI a year, about 60 runs. He'll never steal you any bases unless it's really, really, really lucky. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. but he's going to hit 15 to 20 home runs a year, every year. Okay. So basically, uh, not totally dissimilar to what we saw last year, his ceiling slightly higher than that. I mean, I would assume that his power will develop more over the next couple of years yeah. as he gets stronger. Uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily so sold on the whole 27 thing anymore. That seems to be uh, becoming a bit of a myth. But, you know, uh, we shall see. At any rate, I still believe there's power upside and the guy's not yet 24. Yeah, I agree. I think that 27 thing is over. Uh, I think that was cool for a few years. But now that we have such young dominant players, I think that, that that's a myth. Well, I think it made sense at the time, but I believe that uh, through fitness and training and, you know, uh, proper nutrition, players are, are, are just maturing quicker. In general, young people mature quicker, reach puberty quicker, they, they fill out quicker. I mean, everything is expedited now. But back to Perez for a second, I noticed that his ISO is up slightly this year. Another good sign as he builds more power as he ages, but yeah, no, I agree with you. The 27 thing, um, you can still use it as a yardstick for basically upside prime going into downward trajectory of career power-wise, I guess, but uh, we're seeing so many examples of it that that are going against that grain that I think we're going to have to revisit the issue in about five or ten years with a longer-term study, you know? I would agree. Yes. Yeah. So uh, let's switch gears and talk about some box scores. Uh, what's going on today uh, in game one? Lots of double headers. I mean, the rain's been insane last few uh, days, last couple of days. So, of course, that is reaping havoc with the scheduling, and uh, we're into doubleheader city. You were looking at game one of the Dodgers Twins, were you not, Joel? I was, and I actually watched a little bit of it on my phone this afternoon doing a little work. So Dan Heron uh, struck out seven, but he walked five, got the win. The story of the day was Yusio Pui. He went four for four and walked. So he touched bases on every at-bat, which was fantastic. But what I really wanted to talk about was how terrible Carl Crawford looks at the plate. Walked really? him in three at-bats, and his swing scares me. I mean, well, he never had the not off. He never had the prettiest swing to begin with, but, wow. I haven't seen him in a couple of years since he's been injured. And I mean, I, I, don't, it's, I don't catch a lot of Dodgers games because they're usually West Coast games. So, you know, I'm in the Eastern time zone. So it's basically a matter of staying up all night. I haven't had a chance to see him in a while. It's that bad, it is it? I'll have, to, I'll have to look at some video. It was, it was pretty ugly and... Uh, if if I was a Carl Crawford owner, I would be trying to find someone on the waiver wire, uh, Dan Viciato type player, to, to yeah. toss in there. Because that 194 average and that awful swing it is just, it is just a, a walking disaster. It's a grenade. Let's jump on it. Well, what happened to Carl Crawford, the, first ra- the automatic first rounder? For what five straight years, pretty much four or five straight years, automatic first round. I know he got hurt there and had some injury issues, but I, 
his skills don't erode that quickly. Well, they have. You know what I mean? uh, This was the player that I was very excited about. I thought, oh, this guy's fantastic. Look at the speed and the power. And it was about five years ago when I started playing fantasy. So I'm relatively still new to the game. And I thought, wow, this guy's going to be around for a long time. And you just Mm -hmm. watch that swing deteriorate and deteriorate. And his legs deteriorated. You know, everyone looked for the stolen bases to be up around the 40s. Now we got him in the teens. Wow. I guess Boston knew what they were doing when they got rid of him in that package. The one time Boston knew what they were doing, yes. Well, <laughs> hey, you're talking to a Red Sox fan, so bite your tongue. <laughs> they, they have won three World Series in a decade, so they have some kind of idea what they're doing, I'm thinking. Come on. You know what? They turned around one of the worst seasons in franchise history, managed to somehow get rid of a quarter million, a quarter billion, excuse me, a quarter billion in salary in one move to, like, wipe their slate clean. Who does that? And then they go out with a bunch of, like, under-the-radar signings where guys like Victorino, Napoli, Dempster, who didn't work out fine, but, you know, a few signings like that that were, you know, lackey. Uh, well, no, sorry, Lackey was a couple years earlier. Uh, Lackey didn't work out until last year. But they had a few signings like that that were, like, fairly inexpensive and great bounce-back candidates. You know, so they didn't go, like, drunken sailor spending. And bang, they turn it right around and win the World Series game last year. I mean, come on. I know I people know. love to hate on the Red Sox, but they, they seem to know what they were doing. And, and, I'm, and if Carl Crawford truly is as bad as you're saying now, and it sounds awful like he ain't coming back, then, um, boy, including him in that deal was just like, oh, it's score, major score. Wow. And I was just taking a hard time. I, I knew you were oh, that's stop, okay. So I, I would poke that. I would poke that bear. That's okay. No problem. No problem. I mean, you know what? We've had not one. One of my co-hosts is a Yankee fan, so of course oh, we get into it. We get into it all the time. Well, that's fine. You know, it's all good nature. It's not. It's no dragging through the mud. Um, so it's all fun. Um, Buck, who I used to co-host, Buck Davidson. In, uh, in, I'm sorry? sorry. I live in Cubs Nation. Yeah. So everybody loves either the Cubs or the Reds. My wife and I here in Indianapolis, we can't even find White Sox gear. <laughs> that's pretty sad it is that's really sad actually uh anything else to report from the dodgers twins at all um yeah hanley ramirez awesome and off at defense um i understand that fantasy wise he's going to be really good but today he made a play behind second base just flipped it up with his glove to get the double play it was it was awesome uh, oh yeah facetious no. Hanley Ramirez made an awesome play. I mean, it actually looked like the Hanley Ramirez of old. Well, that's good news. I mean, it does matter from a fantasy perspective only in so much as if he is so bad at shortstop that he has to move to third or, you know, first or whatever, then, yeah, that has a big effect the next year at any rate, you know, or down the road. Oh, he, looked good. he looked real good. Well, that's good to, and, that's and good like, to know. And I'm like you. I'm on the I'm on the East Coast time zone, and those Dodger games. I don't get to watch a lot of those either. Yeah. Well, you're in Central in Indiana, aren't you? No, I live in the stupid part of the state. Um, 
So what? At the, top, at the top part of the state is central, all the way from the tip of Chicago until Lafayette, Indiana, where Purdue University is, is in central. Yeah. From Purdue University until Louisville, which where Evansville, Indiana is, yes, is in Eastern Time Zone. The Evansville okay. down area is in central. You are telling me that parts of Indiana in the central, parts in the eastern. Yep, my parents live in central, and I live in the eastern. We both live in the same state. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. The same state, you get two different time zones. Okay. Oh yeah. That is whacked, my friend. That is whacked. Wow, that that is bizarre. I guess yeah. uh, is that, I guess that's where Erie, Indiana, comes from. Because <laughs> that's <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of freaky. I mean, the same state. So it's a long distance call across the street, essentially, if you're right on the border. 150 miles. My parents live 150 miles. It'd be it'd be a long distance call. But I mean, like wherever the line is exactly, that could be basically you could be making a long distance call across the street for all intents and yep. purposes. Yeah, pretty wow. much. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, there's all sorts of weird things in the world. I mean, we got a province that is a half an hour time zone. I don't know. I'll do that. It's the what? only one in the world. Newfoundland is on a half an hour time zone. Right now, I think it's um, I think in the in Nova Scotia it is um, right now 10:42, and they're an hour and a half. But it would be 18:12. It would be 11:12 uh, p.m. in Newfoundland, a half an hour ahead. So they're an hour and a half ahead of us. Well, if I ever had yeah. to travel for work, that would drive me nuts. No, but I mean, it's the only one in the world where there's a half an hour time zone. Believe me, we give them the gears. They get the gears. They are, you know, they are the Arkansas or the, uh, you know, whatever state it's made of the most fun of, uh, oh, of Canada. There oh, come on. Are you, you think Indiana gets made more fun of than Arkansas? Well, for the time come zone, on. Yeah. Nobody, nobody, nobody thinks that you marry your sister in Indiana, Paul. <laughs> True. Very true. <laughs> okay, so it doesn't get much worse than that. So, you know, anyhow. Um, I was watching the Pirates. I was going to say Ravens because I was just working on my Ravens right up. I'm getting a little punchy this week. Ra- I was watching the Steelers Ravens today. <laughs> okay, Pittsburgh against Baltimore this afternoon. First game of the doubleheader there. And. The Orioles gave the Pirates, the struggling Pirates, a sound whipping of 5-1. to one. Had to stop for another rain delay in this game, but they did get it in finally. And Steve Pierce, he is back, baby. He's back for Beemore and paid instant dividends with three hits and two RBIs. Of course, Pierce was DFA'd by the Orioles just like a week and a half ago. And then he was released five days later on the 27th. But on Monday, after the Orioles put Chris Davis on the 15-day DL, they re-signed Pierce. So it's like, okay, welcome back. And in his first game back, bang, he goes off with a huge performance. The Pirates, as I mentioned, they are in trouble. I mean, stranded 13 runners today, one for 14 with runners in scoring position. Yuck. The team started 6-3, and three, but since then they have gone 4-14, and 14, and they are digging themselves a hole. For the Big Pirates, hole. Pedro Alvarez. A big hole. Pedro Alvarez, three for five, drove in the only run, his 15th ribeye of the year. He's up to a buck 94 as he struggles to get to the Mendoza line. But 295 on base percentage, he is drawing walks this year. 
also committed another error, his fifth of the season. For the O's, Pierce got his first two RBI of the year. Charlie Morton for Pittsburgh wasn't awful, but dropped to 0-4, 4.21. Bud Norris pitched decently. Both starters were meh. Anyhow, Norris evened his record to trim his area to 3.94. Ryan Webb and Zach Britton both looked sharp in earning holds, and Tommy Hunter struck out the only batter he faced for the save. And that is it from Pittsburgh. I have, a little note to, I have a little note to add to Pittsburgh. Go ahead. Pittsburgh fans, fantasy owners, be aware. Gregory Polanco is on yes. his way. Couldn't agree more, my friend. We've been, we've been tweeting that up like mad. I've had people asking me. I've been recommending for several weeks, pick him up and stash him. I know the Pirates have no plans to bring him up until mid-June. They're not going to start his service clock. And I, and I think that's, they're making a mistake because, he's, he's re- first of all, they're struggling. And second of all, I mean, he's making – what does he have left to learn there? The guy's in 400 for a month. Clearly, he gets it. Okay, he's ready for the next step. So why are you holding him back at this point? Maybe they're going to – I'm sorry? Super 2. Super 2. No, I realize why, but I, what I'm saying is, okay, Houston, no, no, no. Houston went ahead with George Springer and decided, all right, let's bring him up. Now, so far that hasn't paid dividends, but I still believe in him. Polanco, you're absolutely right. I've been, I've been begging Twitterverse, stash him, stash him. People are asking me, when should I stash him? Like, I mean, I don't want to bring him up too late. We have, you know, like I don't have that much room to, to hold him. I said, well, you know, at any time now, someone in your league is going gonna, is gonna to jump the queue on you. So would you rather sit on him for an extra week or just try to, like, gamble that maybe, you know, you'll still beat the, beat the pile by waiting two weeks or something, you know? I said, if you want to wait a week, go for it. But I'm just recommending you stash him now if you have the room because he's going to be a difference maker. And, yeah, I realize that Tabata's playing pretty well. The Pirates may not necessarily have room right now. But you know what? You can't hold a guy like that back. They're going to figure out a way to get him in the lineup and give him at-bats. And you're absolutely right, my friend. He's going to be a difference maker. He's something special. I see him on a regular basis. I'm also an Indianapolis Indians media member, which is the Pirates' uh, AAA affiliation. So I see Polanco on an, on a pretty much everyday basis. And watching the kid in the locker room and seeing him do his warm-ups and talking to him, actually. We, we actually talked to him on media day, and we brought a, a translator with us so we could get our questions asked. And, and he speaks pretty good English, but we did have some specific questions for him. And one of the things that he's working on the most is reading pictures, and that's what they're waiting for. He's still having a, a difficult time reading a, a picture so he can steal bases, which he told us is his favorite thing to do. Well, he has had some pretty good steal numbers. But, you know, uh, stolen bases versus caught stealing is often a maturity issue. And, you right. know, just, just, just knowledge, you know. Um, it doesn't mean you're a bad base stealer. It's just about picking your, to- picking your spots right. It's just something yeah. you learn, you know. Yeah. Um, but on the Indianapolis Indians note, I want to ask you a question then. Because a guy I've had in my keeper league for several years, and... He fell out of favor, and now all of a sudden, I mean, because he was like, oh, he's great defensively, but he's not going to hit in the major leagues. I can't believe he's the fourth overall pick in the draft, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm talking about, obviously. Of course. Uh, 
Now, it's like, oh, he's having problems catching, he can't throw people out, but man, does he got to stick. Maybe he'd be a good uh, platoon first baseman or a DH on an AL team or whatever. It's like, what the fuck, man? I can't, I can't get my head straight on whether this guy is a good prospect or not. All I know is his bat sure has come around in the last year. Great year at AAA. Of course, I'm talking about Tony Sanchez, the very colorful Twitter user and a very <laughs> colorful, very colorful man in general, you know, in terms of like obviously a fantastic – he's the new A.J. Berninsky. You know, so the pirates uh, organization. So I'm going to give you peace of mind. The pirates organization love him, love him, yeah. love him, love. Him. And what else they love is the pitchers like to throw to him more than they like to throw to Russell Martin. Well, that's good because Martin's contract's done up this year. I mean, I can't believe the pirates gave him a two-year extension. That surprised me. So um, we're seeing a lot of Sanchez, lots of it. it it's coming. Well, that's good because clearly, you know, he has that ability to be productive even with very few at-bats a week, and not a lot of players can do that. You know, you come off the bench and you pinch it in the seventh inning every three days and you deliver an RBI double. That ain't easy. It is not easy to get so few at-bats and be ready to produce. That impresses me right there. And, I mean, I've seen how all of a sudden he turned things around. He's had a tumultuous career so far with, of course, maturity issues and then with the hit in the face by the pitch twice. I mean, obviously, because I have my keeper league, I've followed his every move very, very closely. Um, and there's been fits and starts there where it's like he's falling out of favor. You know, he's in trouble with the organization. Uh, the lost year with the injuries, which really set him back as a prospect. And I was so pleased to see how he adjusted so well to AAA last year and then, you know, raked in spring training this year and certainly raked when given the opportunity to hit with the Pirates so far this year. Uh, very excited, you know. Yeah, something special, and they love him. They they actually adore him. They, I've actually been told that they can't wait until Martin's contract's over. Well, buy him out. <laughs> trade him. I mean, if the Pirates keep falling out of the race, who knows? Maybe yeah. Martin will be a trade candidate at the deadline. But uh, although you don't, you don't usually see catchers traded at the deadline because it's very hard to adjust to a new pitching stuff, obviously. Uh, mid-season, that is difficult. Um, and that's a very important thing to learn, you know, on the fly. But um, have you had the opportunity to interview Mar uh, Sanchez? I have. He is a fantastic interview. He's so energetic and so fun and so just – so he told us everything. He told us about, you know, his hands hurting, the different equipment that he has been using, um, how, how bad catchers get beat up behind the plate. It's not something that a normal player just comes out and, and, and gives you information like that. You know, yeah. He was actually telling us how – being a catcher is so destructive on your body. And it, it's, it, it's, re, it's really interesting to hear these players talk about those kinds of scenarios. You know what? Um, so I'm just trying to find something, uh, Link, here. Um, you can tell everything I've read about Sanchez and certainly, you know, from the Twitter. And it's just so obvious to me that he has a legitimately big personality He's a very mm. funny, very engaging player and person. And you just you don't see players 
very often reach the majors that haven't been media trained, you know, to the point where it's like, yeah, just it's I'm going to thank the good Lord. I want to thank my teammates for, you know, um, to help me win that game. Like just the, the usual pop. I don't need to tell you. Uh, I like to you call hear it all the time, I'm sure. I like to call it grooming. It, yeah, well, those players have been groomed. It's, it's PR savvy. They've been media trained, right? Uh, oh, yeah. And by, by the time they get to, like, the majors, it's just give me a freaking break. I mean, like that scene from Bull Durham where, uh, where Crash Davis is teaching uh, L- L- Luke Nanoush how to say things to the media. You know, it's, it's exactly what it is. It's totally true. But um, I, inter- I interviewed Eric Davis on Saturday, and uh, the PR director walked up to me and he said, uh, "You know, looks like you did a pretty good job." And did you ask him about um, you know Afri- African Americans in-, in the sport of baseball? Because it seems like that's what everyone's asking him about. And I'm like, "No, I didn't ask him about that stuff at all." Um, but every single other media sponsor that was at this event that I was at on Saturday asked him that question. And you could tell that he was just, oh, and he already had his answer ready to go. <clears throat> I asked him a question about his childhood and shocked him. You talking about Eric Davis, the former Red? I am. Okay. I just wanted to put into context. Okay, go ahead. Oh, you're fine. That was it for me. Oh. Oh, sorry. Uh, I thought there was more to the anecdote. The the funny thing is, why were they asking about blacks in baseball? Is that a big hot button issue with him? It, it, it because he came around the time um, him and Daryl Strawberry it, they grew up in uh, South Central LA, and yep. there was no baseball uh, during that time in South Central LA. Okay, well you know I guess the only really the coincidental thing is that last week on the show we had Bob Kendrick guesting who's the president of the um, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in uh, Kansas, Missouri. And, of course, the hot-button topic of the night was blacks in baseball. Last week, I mean, we were asking him all about it in light of, um, certainly in light of uh, recent statements by Bud Selig about Barry Bonds. Um, We wanted to find out about, like, Jesse Jackson had... um, come out and applauded Bud Selig for his efforts with minorities in baseball over the last 20 years. There were a lot of questions I wanted to ask him about, you know, blacks in baseball, specifically why, in my mind, it's ridiculously low. 7.8% of major leaguers are black, which is just completely insane. It's disproportionate from society. And why are we losing all the athletes to football and basketball and stuff like that? So it was, it was a really good chat with him. Nice. Uh, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I'm going to send you a link. Uh, well, this is this, uh, this is offline here, but regarding Tony Sanchez, because we gave okay. him an award last year because he's just so goddamn funny. And he got the Practical Joker Award. And basically what I was saying is this guy... He, you know, Sanchez he, got the Practical Joke of the Year for his team. Yeah. Well, I can't, we have, we have Roto Rob Awards every year for, different, for every sport. And for baseball, I gave him the uh, Practical Joke Award for the Twitter joke he played on his mom. Now, I don't know if you remember this. This was the one where it said Sanchez was suspended, but it was actually, it was Jonathan Sanchez that was suspended. 
but the picture was of Tony Sanchez in the picture yeah. in the paper. He yeah. screwed up in the Pitt, Pitt Post Gazette, <laughs> and then he just sent him a he just sent a little uh, he clipped it on his phone and sent it to his mom. Sanchez suspended and just said, "Mom, I'm sorry." And, he, and, she, and she's like, "What the heck did you do?" Like he actually uh, he took the i. The, well, you'll see what you'll see the uh, Twitter thing. He took the iPhone conversation and posted it right on Twitter, like of him punking his mom, which is just freaking hilarious. I've heard some stories of him punking a lot of teammates, um, a, a lot of hotel jokes, um, being woke up early in the morning. Oh yeah, I bet he just sounds like a great guy. And I basically I summed it up by saying Sanchez is going to be one, going to be one colorful catcher in the spirit of A.J. Brzezinski, who's very colorful as well, although ideally he'll be less hated because obviously Brzezinski is universally hated, but he is actually a really funny, great guy. Like if you've heard him in interviews, I don't know if you had the chance to ever interview Brzezinski. Uh, He's very, very engaging with the media, very like, very, very open and and, uh, very accessible. And, he is willing to say stuff, you know, that other people aren't. He's colorful. He's not like those boring interviews. And journalists love that, as you know. Oh, I love it. it he was at the winter meetings this year trying to get a job, so he was talking to everybody. Uh, anyhow, we're almost, uh, we're almost out of time. I just want to wrap up with a few other items of interest. Uh, Robbie Ray is going to make his MLB debut on Tuesday, starting in place of the injured Annabelle Sanchez. It'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, we were talking about this this afternoon, Joel and I, how Derek Norris is off to an incredibly fast start. I wonder if he could start stealing more playing time in Oakland away from uh, John Jaso there. Your thoughts? My thoughts are I hope so because I love Derek Norris, and I have for a long time in a dynasty league that I play in with a, a great group of guys, and one of them is our good friend Tim McLeod. I've owned Derek Norris for the last four seasons in a dynasty league and been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to turn it on. But from what I read and from what I hear, Bob Melvin is going to still continue with the platoon. Well, you know, I mean, that can only go so far. And in Oakland, of course, it's all about, it's all about uh, production, not skills. Right. So if you produce, you will play. It, regardless of whether, I mean, they're talking about sending Josh Reddick down because he's not producing and they were going to play Sam Fultz in his place. I mean, are you fucking kidding? I mean, Reddick can win a game with his glove on his own. Uh, and we all know that he's capable of hitting. He had 32 homers last year. Yeah, he had a shitty start. But, like, let's, or two years ago, sorry. But let's get real. You know what I mean? You're not going to yeah. actually send Reddick down and, and, and play Sam Fultz? I mean, but that's the Oakland way. You know? I understand. It's wrong, mm-hmm. but but they do, but they continue to win. We just hope Norris continues to play and get at bats. I mean, 57 at bats right now is kind of small compared to some of the other guys that are getting 107 already this season. But he's got the two home runs. He's batting 386. That's got to show Melvin something. Yeah, and it's got to show Billy Bean something. Who's going to tap Melvin on the shoulder and say, ah, excuse me. Hopefully. Now, speaking of hot-hitting catchers, Devin Masarako, started the year on the DL, comes off, puts up video game numbers, goes back on the DL, uh, hamstring injury. He's been working out in a pool and receiving treatment, but is yet to resume baseball activities, we understand. Now, he's not eligible to return until May 11th. 
so his workouts at this point are still limited. Um, but obviously we hope that he will be back when scheduled because, my God, he was in the midst of a ridiculous breakout. And here's a guy I've owned in my keeper league for several years since uh, he was in like A-plus or whatever. We, we go very deep in the minors in our league, so basically have a system where you can hold on to a player for five years as long as he hasn't achieved exceeded his rookie eligibility in the majors. So we have guys being drafted out of high school, literally. So I've owned Masarocco for quite some time, and the payoff was sweet, and then he goes on the DL again. Uh, Didn't you just want to bang your head on the table? I wanted to bang my head on the table. Oh, it's just, I mean, every game this guy was going three for four, three for four. It's like, whoa. You might want to pee into this cup, Mr. Masarocco. At any rate, uh, back to Oakland there. I noticed Fernando Abad is up to 11 games without giving up a run. In fact, through 11 innings, he's only given up two hits and two walks with 12 strikeouts and two holds. It's early, but uh, Oakland has a tendency to get these relievers. I mean, he used to be in Houston, I believe, I think. Is that correct? Uh, Houston? Yes. Oakland has a tendency of pulling these, these, these middling relievers out. And where do they come from every year? Oakland, San Diego, Tampa Bay. Teams that just have a tendency to get these middle relievers who are like, put up video game numbers. Wow. His, his jumped out at me. And uh, I think uh, if you're in a very deep AL only, they should start paying attention to this a bad guy. Who knows? He, he, he looks like a Luke Gregerson for me. Yeah. Well, nothing yeah. wrong with that. That's that's the comp that I, I would give him, and and Gregerson's my hold guy. I love him. Yeah. Well, you know what the beauty of Gregerson is, and there's very the thing about relievers that is so volatile. This is why I don't put a lot of value in relief pitchers. I will not trade for a relief pitcher. I will draft no. them in my supplemental draft every year because I feel like you can rebuild your bullpen every year because of the turnover and because. I can pick up a setup man who's basically going to be a closer three weeks into the season for nothing. So why yep. would I trade? I don't, I don't chase saves is my point. It's yeah. fruitless. And it's, it, you know, we, you can count on one hand the number of, of uh, reliable relief pitchers that there are, closers, that there are in the game. And we lost one, of course, this year in Mariana Rivera. We're, so we're down to like Kimbrell, uh, at this point, uh, you know, there's maybe two or three others. I mean, Pablo Bon has fallen off that list. He used to be as as automatic as they were. I mean, we're even seeing chinks in uh, uh, Kenley Jensen, Kenley Jepson, uh, Jensen's uh, armor this year. It's just, it, it's a mess. It's a total mess. So, to me, a setup man like Gregerson, who's actually good year after year after year, and you don't see that in relievers. You just don't see that. That's gold, my friend. You know, him and Tyler Clifford, I love, I, I will preach that. I will say, go out and draft Tyler Clifford with your last pick. Yeah. I mean, because they're going to they're gonna pitch more innings than a start, uh, relief, a uh, closer, excuse me. They're going to get high Ks as a result. Oh, I, oh, yes. You know, I mean, if your league tracks holds, which mine did a few years ago, added holds to it, um, then, yeah. We're new to that. 
I'm new to the whole league. Uh, the, the league I play in with Tim is a dynasty league, 40 man roster, and you know, kind of like a dynasty format. You got the low A guys, you got the class A guys, you got the, you know, double A, triple A. <clears throat> you even got some real bad players on your team, like I do, Paul Canerco. Thanks very much. Should have retired by. <laughs> <laughs> no. Sorry, but, I own I but, own Paulie in his prime. Moment of silence. Yeah, moment of silence. <laughs> But the hold was a, is something new for us this year, so it's yeah. been exciting and, and a learning curve as well. Yes, for sure, it absolutely is. But there are steals to be had, and if you know Tim McLeod well, then you know that he has been a proponent of the holds league. That basically this this the time has come for this to be a staple in every fantasy baseball league. I mean, let's face it, we've yeah. outgrown the whole BA homers RBIs. We finally figured out, oh, you mean you don't measure a player simply by what his batting average is or how many homers he hits or how many RBIs his salary should be derived from that or like his, his fantasy value? You mean there's other indicators? Like we finally figured that out. So we figured out, you know what, there's other ways to evaluate relief pitchers as well or just play the game. Holds is, is a great way to go. Anyhow, my friend, uh, I want to thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about at all that we didn't bring up? No, I, I, I've gotten everything out that I wanted to say today. I mean, except for please follow me on Twitter. I'm at Joel Hennard, well, and that's about it. That's what I was going to ask you next. Uh, Joel Hennard of the Fantasy, Insi- Fantasy Insiders, excuse me. Uh, what do you want to pimp this evening, my friend? Pimp away. Oh. Put your hat on with a feather in it. I got it on. It is popped up and ready to go. First well, and foremost, talk about our website. It is the fantasyinsidershow.com. All the hard work has been done by my partner in crime, my co-host, my best friend, Brad Costello. He's done a fantastic job creating writers, creating content, and getting our website rocking and rolling so I can put our wonderful podcast and interviews up on the site. We're on the Armed Forces Radio Network on, at 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings, and our show airs on Blog Talk Radio on the Fantasy Sports Machine at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday. Okay, cool. Thanks. Hey, no problem. Anything else? Did you mention a Twitter address there? Oh, I'm at Joel Hennard. I'm real simple. I'm nice and easy. I like my name. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm at Roto Rob, so there you go. <laughs> it's yeah, not my exactly. real name, but it's it's my persona, so that's okay. All right. Well, anyhow, that's a wrap for this evening. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us again, Joel. It was a pleasure to talk with you and uh, love the stories about Tony Sanchez and uh, and the like. That was great. Hey, so, uh, if you ever need me again, hope, let me know. Thank you so much. Will do. In the meantime, we're going to close the show with some Sean Mulrain. As a reminder, we will not be airing next Thursday in our uh, baseball, but we will be on football doing our draft special the baseball podcast will be heard next Wednesday afternoon at 1.30 to, I guess, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, so we are out, and uh, we'll see you all real soon. <laughs>